We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Listen up, Roto Grinders. It's the ownership report for week four National Football League DFS here at rotogrinders.com. My name is Chris Tremino, projector of ownership here at RG. And joining me to go over the week four numbers is Dan Gasper, Mr. Tuttle 05 on the Daily Fantasy sites. Dan, what's going on, man? Are you ready for a week of playing some of the grossest chalk on DraftKings that I've ever seen in my life, at least the cheap range? Uh, are, are you ready to play Nick Westbrook Akini? I'm sorry, I can't, I can't even pronounce the name. I, I hate there, the guy's name pretty trashy guys right we're, we're talking about here uh, i'm looking at some of these guys that are getting ownership and it's uh, it's pretty disturbing yeah no um i'm not ready to play any of these titans receivers really um and i don't think i will be but we, we can we'll talk about that once we get to the to the wide receiver position i guess and of course i was going off the handle in slack chat about curtis samuel being 3k on DraftKings, and then you know as, as it turns out we don't really know for sure whether or not his role is going to be completely limited if we knew his role wasn't going to be limited we wouldn't be having a conversation about any of those titans guys or anyone on the giants or anyone really anywhere uh, who was cheap enough because you know he's their high price wide receiver but of course we don't have that information we don't know and we'll have to get to that when we get to the wide receiver position uh, for now Tuttle, what we're going to need to do is talk about the quarterback position where as usual on DraftKings and across the industry it's going to be pretty flat people are tending to spread out their ownership these days right uh, we're not seeing any sort of concentrated 
chalk at the quarterback position on any given week. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Josh Allen, even with a massive point spread and massive team total against the Houston Texans, is not projecting for more than 12, 13% ownership right now. And I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. Do you agree? Yeah, hundred percent agree. And the thing is, which I, I don't think should be a thing, but people are going to be scared about blowout um, with Buffalo and, and Houston. Um, personally, I'm playing Josh Allen regardless. I, I do think the game will turn into a blowout, but I do think, you know, if it does turn into a blowout, I think Allen gets his plenty. Um, so I'm personally not worried about that, but that is something that typically drives down ownerships um, on these quarterback plays. Yeah, and, and what's also interesting is that, you know, throughout the season, Stefan Diggs hasn't been uh, a big accumulator when it comes to the fantasy points that Josh Allen's been getting so far. So I think that his ownership compared to the ownership that you might expect in this spot will be a little bit suppressed. I'm not saying it's going to be low, but it's, you know, he's not running away with the wide receiver ownership. I'll put it to you that way. Interesting spot here again, Josh Allen, uh, one of the people that helped me have a decent week number three last week. Let's get into Dak Prescott here who has had a couple of weeks that, that toned down, so to speak, from where we started the season with Tampa Bay. Uh, now gets a matchup with Carolina, who has surprisingly good numbers in terms of some of their defensive metrics this season. Do you believe that Carolina is anything to be feared defensively, or are we looking at Dak Prescott at 6.7 on DraftKings as a potentially good option, let's say, in an optimal lineup? That's a tough question because the way I want to phrase this is I like Dak is going to be the highest owned cash game option. I think by a fairly wide margin on DraftKings, and I get it. He's been good. Dallas has been good. Um, what we saw last week, like they're, they're, this isn't what we saw in week one with Dallas where they just throw the ball at every, you know, every single snap or every single play. Uh, they are more balanced. They have been more balanced the last couple of weeks. Like I think Dak's a good play. Um, and I think he's like a fine cash game option, but if he is hitting double digit ownership, I'm honestly not all that interested. I do think Carolina's defense is legit. Um, and I don't think it's like some amazing spot for him personally. Yeah. So I'm not ready to declare that yet. I think that Carolina's defensive prowess is remains to be seen. We're three weeks into the season and I, you know, we've had a matchup with the jets in, included right. in some of these numbers. So, I mean, we, we can't, go overboard, you know, saying that the Carolina is this or that in terms of their defensive prowess. However, I do think that uh, there are definitely plenty of quarterback options to consider aside from Dak Prescott to the point where I wouldn't get all of my exposure concentrated on this particular spot, even though he's a great double stack candidate, especially because you can throw a cheap tight end in the mix on DraftKings. That's more useful than on FanDuel or uh, potentially on Yahoo. But if you are uh, playing on DraftKings, getting that, you know, that double correlation in the big tournaments, uh, even, I mean, forget even the big tournaments, you know, even if you're playing uh, some, some of these three max tournaments, you know, some double stacking and a bring back and, and just getting that full game stack correlation tends to be what uh, some of the winning lineups are doing. And I think that Dak Prescott has a potential to have a couple of good options there. Same is true with Josh Allen in terms of the number of different guys you can stack with him. And not as true, you will find this sort of a statement for someone like Jalen Hurts. Look, Kansas City stinks on defense, at least they have so far this season. And if Kansas City is able to put up offense, which they haven't been as prolific at doing so in 2021 as they've been in years past, 
However, this could be a very interesting spot here for the Philadelphia offense against the defense hasn't been able to stop anything. Why aren't we all getting excited about Jalen Hurts? I mean, granted, he's, he's a, towards the top of ownership, but I mean, this is a spot for me where I'm looking at the Eagles as a potentially juicy option. Yeah, and the thing is with Hurts is we basically saw like a worst case scenario for him last week and he still ended with, up with, you know, 25.54 DK points. Um which is kind of why you play the guy. Uh, he didn't add a whole lot with rushing, but he got there at the end with a uh, late touchdown and, and with his passing numbers. Um, we mentioned it with Carolina, how they've had a soft schedule to open up. Kansas City's kind of the opposite. They, they have played yeah. really tough teams offensively. Um, so it's I, like, I don't think it's Kansas City's absolutely terrible on defense, but either way you slice it, it it's still probably a good matchup for Jalen Hurts. Um, and I, I really like if I'm playing her, it's like you, you mentioned it. He's not necessarily like a, a guy you have to stack, but I do like Devonte Smith quite a bit oh, yeah. um, on the field uh, all the time. He should continue to, to get targets thrown his way uh, six, seven and eight at the first three weeks. But like, I, I would not be surprised if we, we get a Devonte Smith blow up game sooner rather than later. So Smith is the guy that I'm stacking with Hurts, And I, I think it's a pretty decent tournament option this week. Telling about how quarterback, isn't necessarily correlated in terms of where you'll find the receivers ownerships these days. Uh, you won't, you, you get the John Travolta gift looking around the room, look, looking for the Eagles ownership after you find Jalen hurts at the top here. No one's playing hardly any of these guys. And you mentioned Devonte Smith. Uh, no one's going to play Jalen Rager. No one's going to play any of the tight ends and sure as crap. No one's going to play Miles Sanders. All right, let's get into Patrick Mahomes who has struggled just to, I, I mean, Mahomesian struggle 24 25 isn't exactly going to get you to the top of a leaderboard when you're paying the kind of prices you're paying for Patrick Mahomes but you know we got a matchup with the Eagles here so we don't really necessarily know if the Eagles are a ceiling spot as far as three weeks into the season is concerned but I will say that Mahomes can take any defense and turn it into a ceiling spot and I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be double stacking him this week. What are you doing with Mahomes? Yeah, it probably is a week where if we're looking at lower Kansas City ownership, you kind of just play the guys, right? Um, I think the biggest concern would be we almost see something out of Philadelphia that we saw against Dallas where they're just playing sit back and zone defense and just let them run all over them. Um, not that Kansas City is going to be jumping at the gun to do that with Clyde edwards Elaire, but they kind of did do it a little bit last week. Elaire um, got up to 100 yards. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest issue for me here is the cost of the stack. And you, you, you mentioned it right away with how pricey Mahomes is, um, Tyreek Hill has been hidden. Um, Kelsey is the guy that I would stack him with, but again, you're just looking at so, so much money being allocated to a stack, even with just those two, um, I'd like it, but I personally will not have a ton of KC builds and I'll probably be regretting that. One thing that you can probably do to be a little bit cute in the DFS OGs league, which you can sign up for by going to the front page of Rotor Grinders and getting in there and trying to beat the crap out of Chop, Noto, Beer Makers fan, all the other people from the RG community who are going to be playing in that particular contest, is you can go ahead and stack Patrick Mahomes, but this is on FanDuel. So, you know, he, Kelsey's going to be super popular on FanDuel. Maybe just stay away from him in the double stack and, you know, go for like a, like a Tyree Kill and a Miko Hardman. And then, then you can get in there with some, exposure to, to a high-powered offense like the Chiefs and don't get that ultra-high. I'm, I'm not saying don't play Travis Kelsey. I'm just saying, you know, look, we're playing the DFS OGs league. You know, everyone's going to play Kelsey there. 
go ahead and maybe get a little bit cuter here with a Kansas City stack in that one. Okay, let's get into the the uh, bust of last week, Justin Fields. 5,200 on DraftKings. You do not need to play him on other sites for the most part because you've got the salary relief at other positions where you're not necessitating a look at Justin Fields again. However, this matchup significantly better against the Detroit Lions. Uh, we can expect them to have a learning experience as far as how they're going to call the offense this week for Justin Fields. Maybe he won't be under duress 100% of the game again. Do you trust Justin Fields, Tuttle? I trust the matchup. If he, if he starts, I, I ultimately think he will end up starting. Um, I, tr- I trust the matchup more than anything. I, I do think it's a pretty decent – I mean, the, the, the ownership projections aren't showing it, but I think it's a pretty decent buy low spot for him and the Bears offense in general. And that, that's what's nice about Fields. We we always mention he's he's got the rushing capability, so it's he's not somebody you have to stack with. But he's got options and low-owned options that you can pair him with on this slate, and cheap options that you can pair him with on this slate. That I, I am, I'm completely fine uh, running fields here. Yep, that should be interesting to see how the field reacts. I'm not expecting that to get out of control ownership, and that goes for everyone at quarterback. Three other guys I just want to mention really quickly before we move on to the other positions. Matthew Stafford uh, against Arizona is a player that should be seeing some additional popularity because of the success of that offense. You can especially expect to see some ownership on the wide receiver Cooper cup. Now also Sam Darnold is an interesting option for me. You said you don't like so much the Dak Prescott side of this game. I really love the Sam Darnold uh, side of this game, not just because Darnold has shown some improved ability to put up fancy points this season in an improved offense, but also because I don't think that the, the backup Chuba is that much of a downgrade from the injured uh, Christian McK- No, grant you it's a, it's a downgrade, but it's, you know, as far as fantasy production is concerned, I, I think we're still going to see a similar operation here. And they have so many great wide receivers. Uh, they haven't even tapped into what Robbie Anderson can do yet this season. Terrace Marshall is, is a legitimate stud. And then the tight end position may have been gotten an addition by a subtraction by moving on from Darren Arnold. And now they'll get Tommy Tremble in the game, uh, who is at the very least a good blocker and at most could be in addition to the offense. Bottom line, Donald's got lots of great stacking partners that are not that expensive and you can make a good lineup with him. Talk about him. Yeah, I, I do think the interesting thing here is like Darnold, you're going to get a lot of DJ Moore. I, I believe we have him as the highest owned uh, wide receiver on the site. Yes, we do. Um, and like, so that he's the obvious stacking candidate. Um, the thing is though, I do like, and you, you, you alluded to it without McCaffrey. It's not necessarily that I think Hubbard's good, um, it's more that McCaffrey's targets have to go somewhere, right? So Robbie Anderson, who has been non-existent to the start start the season, he should see an uptick in targets. Um, so yeah, he, he's a pretty easy double stack candidate. Um, and the price for Darnold is kind of right where things drop off significantly. Uh, so I, I don't hate it. Um, I do just, I am just curious on how many Darnold lineups will have the chalky DJ Moore in them and if you want to double stack to differentiate or try to try to get a little different somehow i love dj Moore as much as the next guy but i promise you if i use him in a three max tournament probably not going to use dj Moore with him i mean I, i'll take i just named five guys that i like <laughs> you know yeah. i am i don't love tommy tremble but i mean you know i could be just happy with terrace marshall and robbie anderson and call it a day and just let uh 
you know, hope that DJ Moore doesn't have another explosive outing. Last name I want to mention, Taylor Heineke against Atlanta. Atlanta's defense, obviously nothing to write home about. And we're talking about a player here who had a big game two weeks ago, not so much last week, and plenty of people to put around him as far as a double stack is concerned in these big tournaments. So Heineke, especially on, uh, on, on some of these other sites, aside from DraftKings, uh, could be an interesting option. Are you interested in trying to roll the dice that we can get more of what we got two weeks ago instead of what we got last week? Yeah, I'm cool with Heineke here. It's a pretty good spot. The, the biggest problem here would be like expecting Atlanta to try to keep pace and, and push the, uh, like actually score the ball. Atlanta has looked terrible. Um, Washington defense has obviously looked terrible so far this season. Um, but I think it could kind of be a, neat, a sneaky bounce back spot for the Washington defense, which is why I absolutely loved Antonio Gibson, Washington defense correlation stacks on this slate. Um, but Gibson questionable heading into Sunday. I think he'll probably suit up, but he does have a, sh a, sh a shin injury and you like Jarrett Patterson. I know. So you're looking for that to happen. Um, but if Gibson is out, then I'll be more interested in Heineke. He's got mobility. He can run the ball. Um, but if, if, if Gibson's in, I'm much more likely to have exposure to the rushing attack than I am passing attack, even though I don't hate the passing attack here with Heineke and McLaurin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about Gibson, but still considering him, I don't think the injury is that bad. It's not so much the injury as much as the fact that they'll, they'll use McKissick. I don't think they'll use Jared Patterson yet, but you know, he's certainly he's not completely worthless as an offensive player based on what we saw in the preseason from him. Hey, Tuttle, if you are looking to play a big studly player in DFS, Derrick Henry fits the mold. You can also play with guys like Derrick Henry on Thrive Fantasy because you are not looking at scrub-a-dubs like Jarrett Patterson, like Nick Westbrook, Akine over there. You're looking at the biggest and the baddest mofos of them all. You can go prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Uh, what, what is it? It's a it's an esports and daily fantasy sports app that's done with props. So you can eliminate the countless hours of research, you know, going for guys like Nick Westbrook, Hakini, and go ahead and focus on the top athletes like Derrick Henry. Choose 10 of the top 20 available players to build your lineup. Each prop is going to be assigned a value for the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win your share of the prize pool. Use promo code GRINDERS when you sign up over there and you'll receive 100% instant first deposit match up to 250 bucks plus free entry into their featured contest for the week. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Google Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Now, I mentioned Derrick Henry. What are you doing with this guy? He's going to be priced through the nose on all the sites. However, that's because they don't have any wide receivers. And quite frankly, the Jets are nothing to write home about on defense here. We're expecting a big game. Are you playing them? Playing some of him. Um, got asked this question on the Swolecast earlier this week, and my answer is the same, even now, now A.J. Brown, Julio Jones have been announced out. The way you handle Derrick Henry is easy, right? You fade him when he's chalk, and you play him when he's not. Um, that's when he got his ceiling game out of against Seahawks when he was 5% owned or whatever. He's absolutely chalky here. To be fair, he has shown more involvement in the passing game, um, which was something we were scared about last season. And part of the reason why you would fade him when he's chalk, because chalk running backs that don't have involvement as a pass catcher 
have more paths to fail if they don't score a touchdown. So I will concede that Henry at least has a little bit higher of a floor than what he has in seasons past if his, his passing work continues. And I guess I would say his passing game work should continue in this spot, right? They, they just don't have anybody to throw the ball to. Um, so while I say that, I do still think in tournaments, the play is to, to not play Derrick Henry. Um, and that's really scary and I hate doing it, but like, I, I think that's the move. I, I would not be surprised if his ownership is higher than the 18.7% that we currently have projected. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that his ownership isn't getting higher than, than what's on the board right now is simply because he's so expensive. Like it's, it's just yep. very difficult to, uh, to, to get Derrick Henry into your lineup when he's costing 10,000 on FanDuel, 8,800 on DraftKings. And we're, you know, we're also trying to fit in a bunch of other guys into our lineup to make a complete build. So, you know, again, it's, it's a situation for me where I'm with you. We said it two weeks ago. I'll say it again. I'd probably rather take Derrick Henry when he's low owned, even if the matchup and situation are as good as we're seeing this week. Now, David Montgomery, uh, uh, 5,800 on DraftKings. It's a weird statement that I'm not excited about the guy who's going to get the ball 30 times against a bad defense. And I am excited about the guy who is, well, he's something less than Derrick Henry. I'll put it to you that way. Are you interested in what's happening with David Montgomery as Chuck? Because this is a guy at the end of last year who was really getting it down against opponents like the Lions. Yeah, see, this was the one guy um, who I actually like. I was a little bit surprised at the ownership projection. Um, and I'll be interested in to see, interested to see where things fall. Um, I thought heading into the week, he was going to be semi-sneaky, right? Um, Damian Williams was not involved in the offense at all last week. Um, and we thought Damian Williams, at least I thought Damian Williams was at least going to have the pass catching role. He was, he's completely conceded that uh, Montgomery is back to, to almost the bell call, call role we saw last year when Tariq Cohen was out. I'm not, hundred percent confident that continues this week. Um, but if that does continue this week, he's an awesome play for 5,800. Um, so I, I guess I'm more disappointed and than surprised in seeing that his ownership projection is this high, uh, but I will be interested to see where he falls uh, in the mix of himself, uh, Hubbard. I mean, and even Mike Davis, um, who is pop Davis will be one of those players that just pops in projection systems on a weekly basis. Um, but I don't know if the ownership, I think people are getting wise enough to just not play him. Um, but I'll be interested to see how that shakes out this week. I'm shaking my head because I'm still, I'm still not believing that quarter Al Patterson is worthy of a 50, 50 split in the backfield. I'm not saying Mike Davis is something great. I do think Mike Davis is interesting this week, but I, I digress to say that I'll certainly take David Montgomery over both of those guys. And that's a situation where I might end up eating the chalk in at least one of my lineups. Now, let's talk about some of the other high-owned guys in bulk. Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris. Are, let's, let's start with Harris. Do you actually think he's going to be owned? Because I'm looking at some of these other options that are available and wondering to myself, you know, despite the 14 targets last week that he somehow slips down the board, am I crazy for having the numbers spit out Harris in the top five? No. Um, and now we got the, the news that Chase Claypool is out too, right? So we have that going for us. Um, 
and people like traditionally green bay is an easy team to attack on the run or on the ground too so i don't think this is crazy projection people will 100 percent go back it's so hard to look over 19 19 targets again that's not going to happen on a weekly basis but with chase claypool out like why who's to say he's not going to see close to double digit targets again which is very valuable um agree with this projection and i think he's an interesting play for sure um and I don't know how much of him I'll have, but Claypool being out shakes things up a little bit for me personally, probably more so than it will on the the big level as a whole. Like, I don't think it's going to have a huge influence on ownership projections, but my exposure to Pittsburgh is certainly going to increase now that Chase Claypool is out. Kevin King also wrote out with a concussion for what it's worth. I mean, we're not getting overly excited about an individual defensive player as far as the team's overall prospects of, prospects of success are concerned. I would say that the Steelers are going to be very low owned other than Harris. So uh, that's a spot where if you're looking to find something dastardly in the millionaire maker, you know, maybe the Steelers could give you something of note. Okay. DeAndre Swift is a player who has clearly shown that he's going to be the guy that everyone thought he was going to be last year. Continues to be banged up this week against the Chicago Bears. I would expect that he will be pretty popular again. Are you going to be able to eat this chalk? now that we're talking about Ohio and DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I like him too much. Um, we do, like, you have to parse coach speak, but we do have some coach speak in his favor as well, that he's going to get more involved, even rushing the ball. Um, so, like, you, you even give him a little bit higher of a rush here than what he's seen in the past. He is, he's a, he's a good play. It's, it, this is a Bears defense. It's not the same Bears defense as the past. Um, I'm not expecting, like, the game to shoot out, but, I would not be surprised if this was just like two bad teams get together. Uh, as long as Justin Fields starting at quarterback, it's like two bad teams get to get together and they sneakily throw up 60 point, 60 combined points somehow. Um, so yeah, I, I like Swift. How was roster construction coming together this week for you? So if this, you're not going to play Derrick Henry personally, so what is it, what is it starting to shape up with, let's say like in a main tournament lineup, right? Like you know, we're, we're, we're not all that thrilled about the cheap wide receivers. We're liking guys in the mid-range here with DeAndre Swift. Are you looking at like a mid-range build again? Like how are you piecing together your favorite team of the week? Yeah, 100%. It's it's mostly mid-tier for me. Um, and we, we're, we've already talked about a lot of these mid-tier running backs that are just good plays. David Montgomery, um, Antonio Gibson, I've mentioned before. And we'll, we'll have to get an ownership up or uh, update on him. But even like going down the list, Jonathan Taylor, who's also questionable, but if, if he's active, draws a matchup against the Dolphins defense that has been treaded on the ground the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I love a lot of these, or not love, like a lot of these mid-tier running backs and even mid-tier receiving, I think is, is completely fine too. That makes me raise an eyebrow at some of these higher price backs like Kamara, who hasn't really seen the receiving workload this season. Cook, who has been out. Uh, you know, th those guys are certainly interesting to me if I think we're going to see some real gravity, even on a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like Mike Davis, like Antonio Gibson, these guys are all in the top 10 uh, of the ownership projections right now. Chuba, if, you know, by the way, do you think people are going to play Chuba on drafting? I know on FanDuel, you should, you're definitely going to see him, but at 5.9, is there just too many good mid-tier options? Should we be lowering the ownership of Chuba? No, I think people will play him. Um, I will probably have an underweight stance on him at that price tag, just because I mentioned all the other guys I like in the similar price range. 
think he's a fine play. Um, and I think he'll be owned, but uh, I will personally have an underweight stance on him. Cool. All right, let's get into the wide receiver position. I, I think that there is, you know, we, we've established that we're going to try to go into the mid range uh, running back in some of these tournament lineups that we're building this week. I think fits right into that conversation with who's going to be owned at wide receiver, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, to, to a lesser extent, Robert Wood, CD Lamb, all near the top of ownership uh, right now, as far as the projections are concerned. Are you concerned that some of these guys are, you know, approaching 20 in terms of their popularity and their roster percentage could get a little bit out of hand, especially if we saw like what we saw last week where, you know, Cooper Cup spiked up to the 30% range. Yeah, so I am a little bit, um, and this is kind of like, I, I'm going to regret taking that stance I took on Derrick Henry. I'll probably regret taking the stance I'm going to take on DJ Moore because um, he's been a target monster without or with McCaffrey in the lineup. Um, and I'm usually not, the thing is, I'm usually not like an individual matchup type of thing either, but Trayvon Diggs has been good this year for the Cowboys. He is, I assume going to get a lot of time on DJ Moore, which should open up things to, for, for Robbie Anderson and whatnot. Um, so I, I am concerned when some of these receivers start hitting, you know, the 20% ownership um, that aren't foolproof, but if it's like Devonte Adams, that starts hitting 20% ownership, who cares? Smash the guy in. He's, he's still an awesome play regardless. I'm lining up CD lamb here because, you know, if Cooper at 6k is going to get, you know, maybe five, 6% more than lamb at, uh, at 6.7, maybe doesn't fit I mean it's still mid-tier but we're not fitting it quite as well as 6k would like 6k just fits real nice in a lot of different builds so I, I think CD could you know he could be even a little bit lower than 12 percent here for this particular matchup and I do love him as a player don't particularly think that if he's on the top of his game that any matchup is worth even discussing as far as how good I think this guy really is okay so Amari Cooper is the mid-range guy the high price guy I think is going to be Devontae Adams this week. Uh, Cooper Cup also qualifies here, and the ownership is going to follow him because of recency bias for sure. I do think Adams is the better play, though. Let's talk about that. Uh, why aren't people getting even more excited about Devontae Adams here with no other wide receivers really to speak of here in Green Bay? They were already thin, and we know what Aaron Rodgers does when this happens. That They're going to get on the one-yard line. He's going to score a touchdown. Yeah, yeah they feed Adams. Um and so that's the biggest stat that stuck out to me, or one of the bigger stats that stuck out to me when I started my research this week is Adams is top 12 um, in wide receiver scoring. I'm not sure exactly where he falls, but of those 12, I think there's only one other person who has less than 10% of their fantasy scoring due to touchdowns, right? So he's doing a lot with target, with just receptions and yardage. Uh, he's only scored one touchdown so far this season. And he's just the guy that he's going to continue to do all the all the work and with receiving yards and with receptions. And then if the touchdowns follow, he's he's an absolute smash, uh, which makes construction on DraftKings specifically interesting because I think a lot of the question marks will be like, hey, do I play Devontae Adams or Derrick Henry in the flex? Um, and I personally slide with Devontae Adams there. I don't want to hear about matchups. I don't want to hear about coaches trying to scheme to take the best player out. They, they've had years to try to figure this out with Adams and – Rodgers and they can't so uh, he'll he'll you know the volume is going to be there he's definitely a great play Debo Samuel you can't really say anything close to that about uh, Samuel's been a guy who's had a great 2021 campaign however we're seeing Brandon Ayuk uh, sneak up into the mix here and as much as I, I love Debo 
Like, is is are we going to see? Is this the new Debo Samuel norm, or is it more like 10, 15 fantasy points that really we should be expecting for him to go forward? You know, are, are we really looking at a seventeen fantasy point player? That's what the projections say. I don't I don't think that's incorrect based on the usage so far. Is it correct based on projecting forward where that usage will sustain? It's tough for me to figure this out with Debo. Um, I think the biggest issue with the offense in general is that they just want Jimmy G to be a game manager, right? Um, and that's most likely what's going to happen on a weekly basis, which then limits volume for a guys like Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Uh, Ayuk is back to running full route share. Um, I think there's enough for one of these guys to have a spiked week, but I, I think on most weeks or what's going to happen is it's going to be more evenly distributed, which is going to stop spike weeks from Debo happening. Um, so like, I like Debo more so on FanDuel's. His price tag was 6,900 there, I believe. Um, I think he's like an okay play. I think there's room for a spiked week, uh, but I don't think you should expect that. Yeah, certainly not, nothing that I'm expecting, but you know, it's an interesting question as we get a little bit deeper into the season to see whether or not some of these guys who had strong starts will be able to keep it going. Okay, so now we're getting into the, you know, the lower rungs here of the highest owned guys. I mentioned Nick Westbrook, Akeen, I'm, man, I'm gonna butcher this name every single time. Uh, th this guy is nothing to write home about. I'm concerned that Josh Reynolds is going to come into the mix here and become somebody uh, that, you know, that, that honestly is uh, going to take the snaps and targets away from a guy like, like Nick Westbrook. And then, you know, and you've got someone like, uh, like Anthony Ferks are coming back from injury here. Are we really able to trust a $3,200 player just because he got snaps last week, or is this a situation where we could be looking at some fool's gold here? I think it's possibly fool's gold. The biggest issue here is it's so hard. Like they have to, assuming they throw the ball at all, it has to go somewhere. Right. And he's certainly the leading candidate for that. Um, but it's like, it, it's so hard to envision him. Like is, is 10 points within his range of outcomes? Certainly. Is he going to absolutely break the slate with some 20 plus point performance? It's pretty unlikely. Ideal scenario here for Tennessee they get out to a lead and they give Derrick Henry 30, legitimately 30 carries. That's an ideal scenario for them, which is why the Henry fate is, is very, very scary. Um, I don't love the play here. I understand the reasoning for it. I will not be surprised if it hits, uh, but I don't love it personally. Yeah, it's, it's some, I'm skeptical. I'll, t I'll say that right now. Uh, some other guys that are in this range that I think could be interesting tournament plays, Calvin Ridley. I mentioned Stefan Diggs earlier. Uh, Terry McLaren, always up for a big game. And I do think that someone like a, uh, a Cortland Sutton or a Corey Davis, uh, I have them at 8% now. I'm a little bit concerned that that's a little bit too high. So those are all guys that are towards the, the middle rungs of ownership that could have big games and won't carry a tremendous amount of ownership. We'll get into some really low-owned guys a little bit later in the show. Anything else here at wide receiver title? Anyone that you're really getting excited about? Are you excited about Tyreek Hill? Like, tell me, who's the guy that we've talked about so far that's really getting you excited coming into week number four? Uh, the guy you briefly mentioned would be Diggs. Uh, I do think, again, blowouts typically tend to, to drown out or push lower ship ownership down on some of these guys a little bit. Um, I think Buffalo is good enough 
to get the ball whoever to whoever they want to in this matchup. I don't, I don't think there's going to be resistance on any level anywhere. Um, so Diggs under 10% ownership, I think is, is a very good play. Yep. All right. Let's get into talking about some of these tight ends for this week. Let's talk about Travis Kelsey, who on DraftKings won't be as highly owned as we are going to see with him on FanDuel. But the the ownership, generally speaking, isn't really the concern here. It's more the price on DraftKings. We know he's going to be the highest probability player to absolutely smash on any given week. This matchup with the Eagles is particularly juicy from that regard. Uh, should we be taking an overweight stance on Kelsey? Probably. I think on DraftKings, it makes a ton of sense to do so. Um, again, FanDuel, it's a completely different story. You can typically pay, pay up for tight end pretty easily. Uh, and that's the story this week. But DraftKings, yeah. Um, I don't think there are going to be very many lineups that pay 8,100 at the tight end position. Uh, if you're doing the whole like matchups thing and you, you know, prefer Kelsey against his own coverage, that type of, like, I, I think that's all in play. And the logic is there for him just to continue smashing. Yeah. And it's going to be a situation where you're not going to find a ton of ownership. So, uh, very, very curious to see whether or not he, we end up all sorry that we didn't get overly uh, aggressive and trying to pay up for that position. George Kittle does have the questionable tag, expected to play. He's the next in, in line for ownership at the tight end spot. I think the more interesting conversation is Will Disley. Uh, 2.6 uh, in, in this particular situation where they don't have as many tight ends. Colby Parkinson is really the other guy that's coming back from injury that you're worried about as far as taking away the tight end targets on this team. we always like to have a ton, a punt tight end on DraftKings. Are you interested in the slow aging injured, uh, in, at least he has an injury prone history, Will Disley, or are you kind of looking at this as a situation to fade yet again and hope that he doesn't own you? I think he's a good play. Um, I will be surprised if he comes in higher on than Dalton Schultz. I think everyone's going to go on the Dalton Schultz bandwagon here. Um, and I wrote up before last game that there's still really not much of, of, of a difference between Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, right? Like Schultz has the game on his back, but from a, a playing time perspective, from a target perspective, um, there's not a huge difference. And I would just not can not or rely on Schultz repeating last week. Uh, so I, I think Schultz will be one of the higher owned uh, tight ends, which is what we have. I think he'll come in higher on than Will Disley. Uh, but in general, like if he does come in as, as chalk, I, I, I'd rather have Will Disley as much as it pains me to say that. Um, I like it's not a fun play, and some of this does depend too on uh, both uh, wide receivers for the the Seahawks are questionable. I believe both will suit up, but we haven't confirmed that yet. But if if like one of Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf is out, who are they going to throw the ball to? Right? Uh, P. Carroll will probably run the ball a lot with Chris Carson, who we didn't really talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I like Disley. I would prefer taking an overweight stance on him as opposed to Dalton Schultz. Uh, I, I think that, you know, going down the list, you know, I think I mentioned Ferkshire earlier. I think he's an interesting, cheaper guy at the tight end position that you could go to. Evan Ingram, if, is he ever going to catch the damn ball title? Like, you know, Evan Ingram's a guy who certainly has the athletic prowess to have a big game. Uh, this they're in the uh, the former course field of DFS. What is it now, by the way? Now that now that uh, Drew Brees isn't around, what what field is this? Is this the uh, Petco Park of DFS? Like, I think things have changed down there in New Orleans, but 
you know, can Evan Ingram have yeah. a big game here? Yeah, it's fair to say things have changed, especially if you look at how much they've reined in uh, Winston to start the season in terms of his uh, passing attempts. I don't think he's top 23 this season or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I do think Ingram's an, an interesting play. It's kind of similar to like if the if the Seattle guys go down, who are they going to throw to the ball? Well, we know two Giants guys are down. Uh, who are they going to throw the ball to? Um, so Ingram for 3K is a very good play. Um, they're going to be playing what Colin Johnson a lot, I think it is, and Kadarius Tony. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I, Ingram's a good play, and I would not be surprised if he led the team in targets personally. Yeah, it's certainly a situation that I'm looking to consider for my lineups here. Uh, rounding out some of the top-owned tight ends, you'll see Noah Fant, uh, maybe Kyle Pitts getting up towards that range. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, looking at the top here, Disley is going to be the top-owned cheap guy. Kelsey going to be the high-owned expensive guy. And let's get into the defense now. Look, the, the Lions are not particularly good on defense, but they are 2,200. I'm expecting them to be the highest zone defense. Are you expecting the same? I think so, but it's also not like some of the past weeks we've had already this season. What like week one was it? The Falcons were pretty clearly. Um, I'm Bengals last week were pretty clearly going to be high owned. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case this week with the Lions. Um, so we'll, I'm interested though, like the alternatives in the, in this price range to typically people like to say about the position, right. And there's just not a lot of good alternatives. Um, so I do think they will be the highest owned low price team. I don't know if they'll come out as like screaming chalk. I'm curious if people will take more of a, a build with some of these three K defenses or not. Um, but if, if you think the lions are going to be 17% owned or even, 10 plus percent owned really that they're a good fade in tournaments for sure. Yep. I do think they will be that owned. I think you'll see for the same reason, the Falcons and the Cowboys and the jets and, you know, the Colts uh, maybe could be a little bit owned. I think 6% is probably a little bit high. The same with the Seahawks here, but I think almost all the top defenses are going to be uh, in, in the higher rungs of uh, I'm sorry, the lower price points of, owner of, of salary here in week number four. That's going to leave teams like the Packers, teams like the Bills, teams like the Washington football team, all low owned. And I think those are some of probably the better tournament defenses, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mentioned again, Washington football team with, with Gibson, um, even though they've been absolutely terrible this season, I think, I think it's a sneaky good spot for them. Okay, let's get into the low owned uh, selection segment title each week. We're going to go ahead and try to find some of the guys who are at the lower uh, rungs of projected ownership to find some differentiation in some of our lineups. As a reminder, you can go over to RG Premium and see all the ownership for 40 plus slates here this weekend on all the sites, not just on DraftKings, which we focus on primarily so far, but we've got ownerships for FanDuel, we've got ownerships for Yahoo, and we've certainly got ownerships for all these showdown slates and things of that nature. So go ahead and get over there to RG Premium, sign up and check us out. Uh, You also might want to like and subscribe to these channels, the uh, YouTube channel or the RG Fantasy Football podcast feed. Both of those places you're going to find some great information week in and week out. And I highly encourage you to go ahead and smash the like and the subscribe on those channels. Okay, 
at the quarterback position, if you're going below 5%, where are you going to try to head in week number four? Yeah, so quarterback's actually pretty interesting to me. I mentioned already, like, if Dax can be extreme chalk, I don't really want to go there. And there are some names where if you just sort by the, the projected ownership column that stick out as, like, Kyler Murray, who's under 5%, um, Matt, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, all these guys uh, – I think are going to be low owned and are good options. The one guy I wrote down, well, I, I have a couple of guys, Baker Mayfield, uh, I think is interesting. He's only like, he's not going to get a ton of attempts. Uh, he's been good from an efficiency standpoint so far this season. Um, so I like, I think Cleveland's going to score points on this Minnesota defense. It, it's just a matter of how they do it. Um, so he stood out and then Aaron Rodgers was the other guy. We mentioned Devonte Adams is going to be high owned. Uh, the other pass catchers though, it'll be interesting to see, like if people try to say, hey, MBS is out, let's let's own some of these other guys. I don't think they will, which likes me pairing Aaron Rodgers with uh, Devontae Adams and then even Robert Tunyon is like a, a really low owned double stack. Uh, Tunyon does not need the volume. So it's not like he's taking too much away from Devontae Adams. If he just scores a couple touchdowns, uh, I still expect Devontae to get there. So I, I do like Aaron Rodgers is a double stack candidate with, with Adams and, and Tunyon. Yeah, and I was going to mention another couple of stud quarterbacks. Uh, if you didn't mention Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson is not going to be 5% owned, I don't believe. And, and Seattle is going to be without uh, Josh Norman. Now, not that Josh Norman was any good, but they're getting ridiculously thin there in the secondary uh, are the 49ers. So you can go ahead and maybe take a look at what's going on with Russell Wilson in this spot. And I think Kyler Murray won't be particularly highly owned. I know the Rams are a tough defensive out, but when you've got the kind of uh, dual skills that Kyler Murray has, if this turns into any kind of a shootout, he, you know, he could be somebody that you could get stacked up there to get to the 30 point mark without a ton of popularity. Okay. Running back position, anybody of interest to you there? Yeah, let me see you. Oh, <laughs> uh, we actually, when we were talking earlier, you said nobody is going to own this guy. Yep. And I agree. Nobody will. Uh, Miles Sanders. We are talking about Philadelphia offense a little bit. Uh, so as a person who was overweight on Kenneth Gainwell last week, I can confidently tell you a lot of his snaps came uh, last possession of the game and, and kind of in blowout run. I was very surprised to see Sanders on the field as often as he was. They obviously only <laughs> didn't give him the ball a whole lot, only carried it twice. Um, but he was involved as a pass catcher. He ran around on 27 of 52 dropbacks which is much more than I you know, would expect out of him. It is a good matchup in terms of, of running the ball. The, the Chiefs allow, are allowing 5.1 yards per carry so far this season. If Philadelphia decides they want to run the ball, they should be able to get it going a little bit. And considering he can potentially get 100 yards on the ground like a, and add that with the involvement I saw as, as a pass in the passing game last week, I, I do like him quite a bit. Yep, he was definitely on my list here under the 5% mark. I think Chase Edmonds is interesting. Uh, going right along with the Kyler Murray pick, uh, either in the same lineup as Kyler, because that would follow the line of they're behind and trying to catch up, and they're certainly looking to put their pass catching back in there in that situation, or just quite frankly by himself uh, in a situation where, you know, the Rams aren't that, you know, James, this isn't a great James Conner spot title. So, Yep. Edmonds has not found the end zone just yet, but has had plenty of usage, particularly in the passing game. And 
you know, there is an, there's a chance he could be the goal linebacker. You know, it, it, it's, I would call it a coin flip in that regard. But there's definitely more outs at 5,500 for Chase Edmonds than the ownership is going to imply. Um, anybody else here at the running back position that is catching your eye or should we be talking about some of these very deep, low-owned wide receivers? Yeah, let's talk receivers. Well, give me the best uh, one. Tell, give me the winner. So uh, Robbie Anderson is the guy that I've been touting since the beginning of the week, which is an uncomfortable tout because guess <laughs> what? Like 11 targets throughout the first three games. Already mentioned why I would expect that to increase. We got Coach Speak going in his favor. Uh, we got Trayvon Diggs on DJ Moore. Uh, we've got C, uh, Christian McCaffrey's targets having to go somewhere. So, like, I do think this is a pretty good spot for Robbie Anderson. I don't think he's going to be, like, super, super sneaky. Uh, these Pittsburgh receivers are where I'll be interested in now. I mentioned I do like Rodgers' double stack. I don't like the game environment in, as a whole, but I just like where, like, if, if this was going to be a paced-up game, I feel like we would love this, right? Because we, we have concentrated targets on both sides of the ball. Now that Chase Claypool's out, uh, we know where the, the targets are going in, in Green Bay. We know where the targets are going to go to Deontay Johnson, uh, to Najee Harris and Pittsburgh. So Deontay Johnson is the guy that I like like quite a bit for, for Pittsburgh as well. And then Allen Robinson was somebody else I had written down. It will be interesting. Like he's People want to quit on this Chicago team completely. I get it. I understand it. It really is a good matchup. Like if Justin Fields, actually whoever's under quarterback at quarterback under center for the bears this week, I still like Allen Robinson. He's cheap. We, we know what he can do. Uh, he, he should command a decent share of the team's targets. And we just got to hope that it, it, it pays off basically. Yeah. I've, I'm uh, liking a lot of these selections here. Definitely going to be able to get these guys lower than the 5% mark, or at least somewhere very, very close to it if they somehow creep up uh, unexpectedly. I think Tyler Lockett's going to be low-owned this week, and I don't think D D DK Metcalf's going to be particularly high-owned either. And I think that those two guys, uh, in either alone or in combination, could be players that you're looking at getting with huge upside without a lot of ownership. Uh, I think that if you are playing somebody like a Jalen Hurts, you're not going to find Devontae Smith highly owned. You're not going to find Jalen Rager highly owned. And I think that those are really interesting uh, stacking partners with one of the better quarterbacks on the slate uh, who doesn't necessarily have to get all of his production with his legs, which seems to be the implication based on the usage as compared to the ownership. And finally, I do want to mention that Michael Pittman Jr., as gross as it sounds, has been getting a massive target share this season. Uh, clearly the number one option, as far as I can tell, uh, for the Colts when healthy. Uh, the matchup, not particularly fantastic with, uh, you know, if he ends up on one of those better secondary players. But I think the way that they'll use him, it's not as scary. You know, he's not your typical type of guy that you're going to see sh followed around the formation. And I am expecting that if you're going to give this guy a 26% target share at 2% owned, that one of these weeks he'll end up going off without anybody on him at the tight end position Tuttle, did any of these guys stand out to you below the you know six seven percent mark that really make you want to go overweight the field yeah so we we do have like not terrible options <laughs> down here i'm not like overly confident um i mentioned tunyon a little bit as my part of the double stack if you do not double stack him he really does add some like 
touchdown equity. Like he, he's very, very touchdown dependent, which is why I never play the guy. Uh, but if targets open up, if he scores the touchdowns for the Packers, like if you get 15 out of him at his price tag, I think completely in play for tournaments. Um, and I, I, I hate touting bears, but like Cole Komet, another guy, uh, Lions, again, just a good matchup in general, but they've been express, especially leaky to the tight end position, um, allowing 15.3 yards per target to the position. And Komet, like, he's cheap. It's the Bears. They're terrible, but it, it's a crappy matchup that could have points in it. I'm a little bit surprised at how infrequently the Eagles are targeting the tight end right now, but I'm just going to go back to the well one more time if I'm in that Eagles universe and mention that Dallas Goddard really hasn't yet gone into the, to the mode where he's seen a huge target share as compared to where some people might have expected him to be. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about five or fewer targets in every one of these games. Is this a guy who can get more than five targets in a game? Absolutely, by my calculations. And there's a situation where if he does that at 1.7% ownership, uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to find yourself saving enough money as compared to some of these cheap guys, but it will certainly save off some of the top guys like your Kelsey's and your Kittles. And I think if you are going to spend up and looking for another pivot off the expensive guys, Hawkinson is a player who can get, you know, seven, eight, nine targets, something like that. Uh, certainly can get in the end zone. He'll be low owned. Uh, as far as, you know, Higby's concerned, I don't know what to do with this guy. Are, are you getting excited about Tyler Higby? I, I, I want to, like, I, I want to do it, especially under 5%. But savings aren't there, and we're, we're just not seeing the numbers. What are you doing with Higby? Yeah, savings not there. If you, he's on the field a lot. I definitely prefer – like, I liked using him last week as leverage. Um, you're just not getting that as much this week. We, we still have – like, Woods – I think Woods will be fairly popular. Um, it will be interesting to see where Cup comes in. I know we have him uh, projected pretty high. But in general, I don't think the Rams will be ne- necessarily his own. So, Higby at 4.6, like – it's okay. Honestly, he's, it, it's a fairly similar play to, to Robert Tunyon, who I already touted. Uh, just not going to be a, a ton of volume, probably only getting there if he gets a touchdown. Um, so it's fine, but not a guy I'll have a lot of. All right, folks, that is going to do it for the ownership report here in week number four. Uh, we gave you a review of some of the top owned guys on the slate. We gave you a couple of picks below 5% that you may be able to use in some of these deeper field tournaments. Best of luck in all of your contests. For Dan Gasper, I'm Chris Tremino. We'll be back again in week number five and go win something.